Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Brad Chambers steps down as the Secretary of Commerce for the state of Indiana, which means there is a good chance that he runs for governor. And good. Because so far, four candidates and no one makes anybody happy. Tony Katz, that's me, Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I've only met Brad Chambers once in a, in a social setting. Nice guy, quiet guy. And he might be a quiet guy all the time. He may not be a guy chock full of personality. Well, that could be said of everybody running in this race. Suzanne Crouch is lovely, the lieutenant governor, zero personality. Mike Braun is your senator in Indiana, zero personality. Eric Doden, don't know the man. Can't say if he's got a personality or not. Curtis Hill, the former attorney general, he's got some personality and a whole stinking bunch of baggage. Brad Chambers has a history of success, private sector and as the secretary of commerce. Serious Serious success. And as far as resumes go for building a state, Chambers has the resume. Does this mean that he's got my endorsement? I don't know if the dude's running. I'm going to make the assumption that he is for the sake of the conversation. First, let's be aware of something here in Indiana. We got five people running for governor. We have one person on the Republican ticket running for Senate. Right now, the Democrats for governor are only running Jennifer McCormick that I know. I don't know if there are any other Democrats running. And I have no idea who's going to run for um, the Senate as a Democrat. I thought it was going to be McDermott who ran um, just just a bit ago, right? He ran uh, against Todd Young. So maybe he was the mayor of Hammond. Is he still the mayor of Hammond? He may very well run. He may it may be him. And there's been some weird stuff and people who get on the on the left side who give him grief. But I'll, I'll leave that for another time. Five Republicans running for the governor's mansion. No one challenging Jim Banks on the Republican side for Senate. Now I I like Congressman Jim Banks. Guy's been. Very, very nice to me. I've had a lot of conversations with him. I've had some very direct and pointed conversations uh, with the man. Most things I I like, some things I ask questions about, some things I've been angry about, like missing a vote. I say it clearly and directly. But this governor's race has been a snooze fest because there is no excitement that is generated by anybody on the Republican ticket. Curtis Hill brings some excitement because of the baggage, right? Uh, the uh, sexual impropriety allegations and losing his law license for a week. And, well, that ended his ability to continue as attorney general. But he definitely does have some activist love coming his way. He's going to get a certain group of people that are very, very excited about him because he will play the social conservative card very, very well, creating a very fascinating um, bit of focus for Senator Braun because he's, I think, sees himself in competing in that world. And now he's got somebody he's got to fight against. Do I think Brad Chambers is a guy who engages uh, the social conservatism? Not from what I know. But what I know is 
every candidate is going to have to. This, what, what Eric Holcomb has done in avoiding so many of these issues has been a negative, not a positive. Well, you see, he hasn't paid attention to the noise. He's just been focused on the state. One can argue that it's Brad Chambers who brought the business. It's Brad Chambers who orchestrated the deals. It's Brad Chambers who's been working the situation, trying to bring business here, growing things here. Brad Chambers has a resume on that subject that he can run on. But all of these people, all these candidates, are going to have to figure out how they tackle the social issues. I give an example. Governor Holcomb vetoed the legislation that would say boys play against boys and girls play against girls in high school sports. And his rationale was, look, this isn't a problem in in Indiana. And the IHSAA, they are the ones who will make the call, the High School Athletic Association. They're the ones who will make the call. And they don't see an issue, so we don't need this legislation. The General Assembly overrode the veto, and rightfully so. No matter what he may think, that was a mistake. Vetoing that legislation was a mistake. But of course, when it came to abortion, he called the special session. And he has been, uh, while he has said a couple things in the beginning about, look, we're going to protect life, this, that, and the other, he hasn't done much after that. You've got legal challenges on legal challenges. He hasn't said much. And one, if I was going to give the biggest knock on the social side to Governor Holcomb, he has not given cover through the power of his office to the Republican Party in the General Assembly. They have had no strong top leadership by which they can all rally. A mistake. If you're going to be the person supporting life Say so, say it again, and say it a third time. But you're not going to be the guy who says girls are not boys and boys are not girls and we don't do this to young women in sports. We don't tell them to take a back seat. We don't tell Hoosier girls to take a back seat. You don't want to say that? That's an odd position. That's, no, not odd. That's just wrong. Anyone running for governor in the state of Indiana today has to accept the fact that these issues are going to be front and center issues because the parents are all over it and you would be a fool to think you could ignore parents. When parents in Indiana got called domestic terrorists, and I love it, oh, people argue with me, uh, he, uh, Merrick Garland never called parents domestic terrorists, okay, He never said the words. But letters were written with the help of Randy Weingarten, the head of the American Federation of Teachers. The consideration should be to watching these domestic terrorists. He allowed for a level of investigation to go forward, at least these letters to be, you know, uh, uh, utilized in a way of devising policy. If you want to tell me he never said the words domestic terrorist, that's fine. That's fine if you want to engage a sophist's argument. You cannot deny that the Department of Justice bought into the idea that parents wanting to know about what's happening in their kid's school because they may actually get loud at a school board meeting dealing with public officials that they're domestic terrorists. You could try and spin that from now until the end of time. That dog won't hunt. 
That's ridiculous. And the people who have tried to make that argument to me, I, I just take a little mental check. Okay, that's not a serious person. You know what happened. I know what happened. Merrick Garland knows what, knows what happened. It's what happened. You don't take the sides of, of, of parents, at least to the idea of, look, I don't want guns slipping out of people's pockets at school board meetings. That happened, I think it was, did it happen in Carmel or did it happen in Fishers? It happened in one of them. And it was just like, you know, you slap your head and you're like, why? Bringing a firearm I have no problem with. You have the right to keep and bear arms. Slips out of your pocket. Slips out of your pocket? Stop it. That's just crazy. That It's a mistake. It can happen. I agree that it could happen. It shouldn't happen is my argument. But if you're going to let that now set the tone, oh, I can't defend parents. Someone brought a gun to a school board meeting. You better be on the side of parents being able to vocalize their issues with their school board. And what is this with school board saying you can't speak to us that way? Don't run for school board. Of course you can be upset with your school board. Of course you can speak in a loud tone. Of course you can vocalize it. If the school board can't handle it, quit. Quit. You're not necessary. We'll get people who can handle the job, who actually listen to parents. All I know is my entire life, all I was told is that we need parents involved in their kids' education. Parents are getting involved in their kids' education. And now we're told, oh, parents shouldn't be involved in the kids' education. They don't know enough. They're not smart enough. They don't know about education. You got to leave it to the experts, don't you know? Any Republican running for governor has to be able to say they're on the side of parents being able to vocalize their thoughts about their kids' education. Now, that statement is not saying... I support this, that, or the other. It's saying that parents have rights. It is, to the very least, to the baseline, to the most important baseline, codifying that parents have rights and parents have the right to be involved in their kid's education and parents are important when it comes to a child's education. They matter because they do. That's important. Stating that is important. But when you say that parents have a right to speak, parents have a right to address their kids' education, that's Republicans and Democrats. It's conservatives and liberals. It's independents and moderates. It's everybody. It's all who's your parents. It's a very important stance to take. Any Republican running for governor who can't take that stance can't be the nominee. Cannot be the nominee. What does Brad Chambers add to the race? Well, first, let's be clear. He hasn't run yet. He hasn't announced yet. He did resign after two years of being the Secretary of Commerce. He's going to leave the job effective August 6th. The Chambers rumor mill has been going on for a while. A while. I'd be thrilled to see him in the race because I must tell you, Suzanne Crouch is very nice. I don't see it. Again, I don't know Eric Doden in the slightest. Mike Braun's a nice guy. We've had lovely conversations. Senator Braun, be respectful, Tony. Come on. But I called her Suzanne Crouch and not Lieutenant Governor Crouch. 
All right. Lieutenant Governor Crouch, very lovely, very boring. Senator Braun, nice guy. He has for me some negatives that I simply cannot get over. And one of them is he was a senator who was okay with challenging the election results on January 6th. Then the riot took place and he changed his mind. No matter what you think of the riot, no matter what you think of it, you allowed a mob to change your mind about the questioning of election results in the, 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 the Senate to go back and go over them, to which you have the legal authority to do. You let a mob change your mind. That means you weren't serious about the thing to begin with. That's what it says to me. And I find that disqualifying. Curtis Hill, and, and we, we should be clear, by the way, one more thing about Senator Braun. I think he's going to have a pretty good record uh, in terms of some legislation that he, he, he did push for uh, on the economic front in, in the Senate. I think he's going to be able to have a pretty good record of wanting to end the fiscal insanity. I think that that's true. Curtis Hill, as I said, is going to get the activists. Curtis Hill lost his gig because of sexual impropriety. You are asking a lot of Hoosier voters in a general to overcome that because it is just so easy to go at them. It's just so easy to go at them. I'm discussing a political reality. You can tell me it's not fair. You can tell me it's not fair. And I won't say I disagree. I am discussing reality. If any other Republican candidate will simply play on the social spaces, engage some conversations openly, honestly, in a clear voice, and can discuss the economics, bringing the jobs, building the state, making it the capital of the Midwest, creating a vision, pushing a vision. You cannot say of Eric Holcomb that he gave the state a vision. You can discuss all the next level stuff. Very, very unsexy stuff. I'm not saying not necessary. I'm saying totally unsexy. Completely and totally unsexy. But vision? Where, Where is the vision of Eric Holcomb? Brad Chambers takes none of the Holcomb baggage. He was building out economic development. What does he have to do with lockdowns? The answer is nothing. If you want to argue that that Lieutenant Governor Crouch could have done something or should have said something regarding lockdowns, I think that's a, that's a fine argument uh, to, to make, although one can wonder what got said, you know, privately. Now, You've heard me discuss this. I'm sick and tired of the private conversations. I want to know what's being said publicly. What is it that you're willing to say out loud? I I say this about the civic leaders in Indianapolis, for example. All of the problems in downtown Indianapolis, throughout Marion County, all of the violence, and nobody with their signs high on on the buildings is willing to say anything publicly. 
The General Assembly wants to get involved with policing in Indianapolis. You stay in your lane, General Assembly. You don't bother Indianapolis. All the civic leaders get together for that. RIFRA gets passed. All the civic leaders say, fix this now and stop this madness. 200 murders a year for years now, and they don't say a word. I think a governor should say a word about what happens in the capital city. And I think that if you're going to run, you got to be willing to help the guy running for mayor, in this case, Jefferson Shreve, running against the incumbent Democrat, Joe Hogsett, because all this violence has happened on Joe Hogsett's watch. He's personally responsible for it as mayor. He called himself the law and order mayor. He said he was going to be his own public safety director. Indianapolis is a big hot mess. I don't want it to be, but it is. A Republican running for governor has to be willing to speak out on these subjects. From there, we can then take a look at records. But the people not willing to speak out, if they're not willing to speak out, sorry, what's the point? You got to speak out about the murder rate in the capital city because the capital city sets the tone. You got to be able to speak out and say parents have the right to speak at school board meetings. It sets the tone. You got to speak out and say boys are not girls and girls are not boys. And we are going to protect who's your girls. You got to set the tone. Is Brad Chambers the kind of guy who could set the tone? I don't know. What I know is he's got a record I like. He's got a brain in his head, a history of success. I'd like it if he ran. But if he's going to run, he has to be able to hit some of these things. He's got to be able to hit some of these things. If not, well, then we've got five candidates that you're not too excited about. I'm Tony Katz. I don't know how I missed this. Amazon charges for returns? I saw one of those... uh, ads that plays like an article and you think it's a news article it's really an ad and i'm like wait is this legit so i i did a search this was cnn business back in april amazon will charge customers a fee for some returns tony katz tony katz today good to be with you they're charging a dollar if you return things to a ups store that's only if there's a whole foods amazon fresh grocery store or a kohl's closer to the delivery address. I do my return to Kohl's. When I have to do a return, I, I do uh, return it there. But it's the idea of, of the charge. More and more, everybody's getting an extra charge because everybody's dealing with the reality of this economy. Everything costs more. Everything has gone up. And what has also gone up is the cost of Well, I shouldn't say the cost of all these little fees because people are trying to make it up. The businesses are trying to make it up. They deal with increases and they pass it along. This is a very important political lesson. When you tell businesses, we're going to start charging you more taxes. Do you think the business pays the tax? The end user, the consumer pays the tax. Of course, that's what happens. The consumer pays the tax. Fees go up or costs go up, you get another fee. A dollar here, a dollar there. Eventually, that turns in to real money. I, I've never paid it because I do return things to Kohl's, but 
This is not going to make anybody happy. I'm Tony Katz. I want my community to begin to unify in conversation around not just abortion, but reproductive health in general. As black women, like the beautiful woman at the end said, a lot of our communities are miseducated. Missouri is an abstinence-only state. It's illegal to educate your youth about their body, contraceptives, signs of pubescence, what to do when they're hot and heavy. And then we thrust them out into a world that has a ban on their choice that's ripping away their bodily autonomy. And the only way we'll be able to successfully see people survive unwanted pregnancies, fetal fatal anomalies, maternal and birthing person mortality rates is through communication, aggregating this information and reaching out to local organizations who support choice. Now, I want to make sure I understood what was just said in this panel on abortion access and women's health care. People like uh, Representative Cori Bush, you know, hands up, don't shoot that lie. Communist Cori Bush. Sorry, she she is what she is, Marxist? Maybe I should say Marxist. Uh, This is part of her conversation. This woman who's speaking, her name is Love Holt. First name Love, last name Holt. The problem is we have states that don't allow abortion and then the kids are thrust out into a world that has a ban on their choice, ripping away their bodily autonomy. Is the argument that every teenage girl is absolutely going to have sex? Shouldn't the argument be why are teenage girls having sex? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. By the way, the argument doesn't only go that way. Shouldn't it also be, are teenage boys having sex and should they be having sex? I'm not saying that kids don't have sex. I am saying it's an interesting, odd, peculiar argument to say that the issue here is we have to allow them abortion access because they're definitely going to have sex. I mean, that that seems to be her argument. And that argument, uh, you'll forgive me, is is awkward. And and this continued in this in this conversation. And it was it was put forth by this woman. Uh, she she put forth this theory that the Dobbs decision, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, this is a death sentence. I was seeking. Right now, there are Missourians who need abortions, who are being forced to carry pregnancies to term against their will, against their health, their mental health, their life circumstances, their income. And with our state seeing some of the highest rates of maternal and birthing parent mortality, especially in black and brown communities, this makes it a crisis. Why don't we talk about how to reduce the number of pregnancies? Forced to carry pregnancies to term against their will. 
Let's talk about reducing the number of pregnancies. Wouldn't that be the argument? The argument is, how dare you? You have to have abortions? That's, that is an odd, that is an odd, odd argument. And you, you'll notice that uh, Love Holtier also says this. And with our state seeing some of the highest rates of maternal and birthing parent mortality, especially in black and brown communities, this makes it a crisis. Birthing parent? She said it before, too. You mean women, because men can't have babies. No man has ever been pregnant in the history of man. Men don't get pregnant. Why, why is this a women's issue when you're now going to tell me that men can get pregnant? The, the thing is labeled. I mean, this is from C-SPAN. I'm looking actually at the video. Abortion access and women's health care. But now you're using the term birthing parent. Are you suggesting that a conversation about women's health care involves men having baby? It's not my job to explain their confusion or explain their confusion to them. They must know at some level that what they are selling you, me, and we is a fraud. But I think that the argument that they're being made, that, that they're making, the argument that they're making can't work you don't have abortion so therefore people will die take a second and consider she says what will happen if this ban is national how many people will die and suffer at the hands of the consequences of not having access to safe medical abortions you mean if there was like a nationwide ban of 15 weeks A lot of nations have a nationwide ban of 15 weeks. And for the record, I do not support a national ban on abortion. I think it might come. I don't support it nationally. I support the states making their own decisions. And this is why it gets kind of interesting with the the military conversation. The left is up in arms, up in arms about the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, and the removing of some of these provisions. The removing of of provisions that say uh, you can travel across state lines to get an abortion. And people like John Kirby is saying that offering this is a sacred obligation. Our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. Uh, that is a foundational, sacred obligation of military leaders across the river. That's that's a take. Now, I do think you have some back and forth there about whether or not if the military provides, quote-unquote, health care. I get, I, I get it. I get it. Please, trust me. I heard it come out of my own mouth. Whether or not that's what it has to provide. That that you know, you you 
you you you offer these things and it's not offered in your state, you're a member of the military, this is where you've been assigned, why shouldn't you be able to go to another state? There's a conversation there. I think a legitimate one, actually. Not that I agree with abortion. I'm discussing flat out if this is something that is legal in the U.S. in another state and you provide dollars for certain levels of quote-unquote care, why this one? Now, the left is infuriated that the right is calling it abortion tourism. Rev, in the clips we just played, it's impossible not to be struck by the the callousness of the two Republican lawmakers while talking about this. Senator Cotton used the phrase abortion tourism. Uh, Just give us your sense as to just like how he is portraying an issue that is so difficult and, and, and and central to so many women put in a situation where now, I mean, they're being political pawns. That's, that's really MSNBC. Ma- I'm not going to listen to any more uh, of that. And certainly I don't care what it is that Al Sharpton has to say about any of it. You have a lot of people who believe that at every moment, the thing that they want has to be paid for. I don't know if abortions have to be paid for. I'm not so sure that that's the case. Maybe your abortion is out of pocket. Maybe that's something that isn't covered. Maybe that's not something that should be covered. That's part of the conversation. Just like part of the conversation should be, whoa, 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 we should cover these things. What if there's a conversation of, no, we shouldn't? Abortion tourism is a, is a very, very rough statement. I, I, I don't say no. I've utilized the term recreational abortion. Well, what else can I say about people who believe in abortion up to and including the moment of birth and maybe afterwards? What else can be said about these infanticide folk? Recreational abortion. What else could possibly be said about people who sing their abortion? You remember those days. And they're coming back. Why can't it be stated? Why can't it be said just like that? Yes, it's rough. Yes, it's rough and tumble, if you will. And these people are making an argument. And the argument is we're not going to have the federal government pay for abortion, even if you're a member of the military. What the left is saying is, how dare you? Maybe it's not so how dare you. But again, That's part of our talk. And this would be part of a conversation about nationwide abortion bans. At 15 weeks, all these things would would, would flow in. But I will not listen to anybody. Tell me they're an abortion expert as Love Holt is described as an abortion expert. I will not listen while they then use the term birthing people. Because no abortion expert could ever declare that men give birth. You can't do it. It doesn't work. It's not possible. Do you know why? Because men don't give birth. If men gave birth, there would be no babies. 
It's a lot of pain, and I'm not sure how many guys could actually handle it. Eh, maybe they could. Maybe they would have adapted. Maybe if men gave birth, men would give birth, and that's the way it would be. But it isn't the way it is. And no expert gets to tell me that, that men give birth. Now, as for what's wrong with a 15-week uh, uh, limit, well, for the pro-lifer, everything, because life is life as life, at conception, life is life, and therefore 15 weeks is murder. For the progressive, how dare you tell me that I'm not in charge of my body after 15 weeks? Then I'm going to hear something like, a woman might not even know. Wait, woman or birthing person? You know what? I'll get back to you on that. Everyone's going to have their back and forth. America, if we are to believe the polling, doesn't believe in willy-nilly abortions. But they don't believe in no abortions. Even if I, a pro-life guy, would like to see less and less abortions, it isn't going to happen legislatively. It's only going to happen culturally. Every legislative move on abortion, it is going to be uh, checked. There's going to be lawsuits. There's going to be uh, filings. Every single one. That's always the way it's going to be. It's, an, it's not going to be an ongoing fight, I assume, for decades. I assume it's going to be an ongoing fight for a while. So I first favor the states making their decisions, not on the national level. If there was a national abortion ban of 15 weeks, the vast majority of Americans would say, okay. That's what they'd say, and they'd move on with their day. So as an idea of ending the conversation, and you you no longer have to deal with it, some people might be in favor of that. But the people who are all about abortion, it's their whole life, and the people who are pro-life, because their whole life is actually about stopping abortion. This doesn't end. Doesn't end. But if you're going to throw an expert my way and they use the term birthing person, they're not an expert. And if you're going to send an expert my way uh, who says we have to have abortions because teens are having sex and we're not going to discuss teaching teens not to have sex, waiting, well, then... We're not serious. You're trying to make the claim that there's only one answer. With all due respect, there's not just one answer. Is abstinence a serious proposition? It's not an unserious proposition. I mean, it's just not. That 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 some people say, oh, you're just being ridiculous. You're not being serious. Well, maybe you're just not willing to do the parenting necessary. I'm not saying you're going to be successful every time as a parent. I am saying, what's wrong with teaching this? What's wrong with saying, don't do it? What's wrong with saying you're too young at 15? What's wrong with that? It's not even in anybody's headspace. It is allow the abortions no matter what. That's a weird, weird take. This fight will continue. Leave it to the states, let them decide, let people move. And for those who can't move because, you know, you're in the military, that fight will take place about whether or not uh, women in the military or people married to women will be able to, to get abortions and have them paid for by the military. 
It's not a fait accompli. It's a discussion that America should have. And one that I favor. The conversation, at the very least. I'm Tony Katz. Still lots of job openings, but Mm -hmm. uh, wage growth is moderating and inflation is uh, subsiding. So I think we're in a good path on the United States. Are you sure, Janet Yellen? Because one month of inflation being better does not mean it's subsiding. And we still, in many ways, are way above the targets. And when you take a look at how people feel about the economy, there is mass concern. We're on a good path. We're in a good path. Again, this is Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, speaking way before she's got the data. This this is about trying to put messaging out that does not correlate to the reality. I would love it if inflation was subsiding. Nobody who actually goes out to dinner, buys food in a supermarket, or is living their lives thinks inflation is subsiding. It's not. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I'm off to D.C. The president of Israel, Isaac Herzog, is speaking before a joint session of Congress. I will be there. I was invited. I will be there. I will be in the Capitol to hear the speech. Uh, so I, I will not be here tomorrow. I'll be in D.C. Uh, and then I will I will bring it all to you. Everything. And how I didn't see Ilhan Omar, Omar or Representative Ocasio-Cortez because they didn't show up. Because, uh, well, you know. You know why. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care. <laughs>